Hey there, all you guys and gals, you hipcats, cool kittens, you diesel-powered disciples of cool. You are listening to the Diesel Powered Podcast, the voice of diesel punk. And on this episode, we're going to be talking about the past, present, and future of diesel punk. This is our fifth year anniversary, and uh, we're going to be talking about the things that we've seen since we started this podcast and uh, things that have changed and where we see the genre going and where we see fandom going in the uh, in the next couple of years. Joining me, and let me just say, it is great to be back. Uh, I've been gone for a couple of months and uh, really been itching to be back on the air with two of my favorite people on the planet. Of course, I'm talking about Larry Amiet, the Diesel Pope, and the deacon of our congregation, Eric Fisk. Hey, Johnny. Hey, Eric. Hey, everybody. How you doing? Hey, listen, one thing I do have to just let everybody know, there is actually a pastor in Connecticut who also has my name. And somebody had said, please, dear God, please, please don't do anything that will make people convinced that that, that we're, you're one of the same. So just be careful with that because... <laughs> Well, I didn't call you Pastor Fisk. I called you Deacon Fisk. <laughs> I appreciate See, that. L- Larry's Larry's the the Pope. I'm the prophet, and you can be the deacon. That is excellent. That is great because because uh, I, I I don't want anybody to belong to any church where I would be a pastor. So, <laughs> <laughs> and, and you know, I just realized I. You know, it's been so long since I've done this, I forgot to introduce myself. Of course, guys, I am uh, John Pika, the artist also known as Big Daddy Cool. And uh, we're coming to you live via the magic of the internet. And uh, guys, I got, I'm a little bit rusty. I've got a little bit of rust, I got to admit it. But uh, I'm super excited to be back on the air. I took a couple of months off to focus on some uh, health and personal issues and, uh, I'm, I'm ready to be back in the saddle, full tilt. This is the great adventure. Can you dig that? I can't believe that you actually believe that you're rusty. I'm, I'm not. I'm not hearing that jive. I don't believe it. No. You're, you're. No, you oh. sound great, Johnny. It's like you oh. haven't taken a break at all. Oh, thank you. I've I've forgotten three or four things already that uh, I'm trying to think through in my mind and calculate. Okay, how can I backtrack back to that point and pick it back up? All right, guys and gals, we got a very special guest, as I said just a moment ago, joining us all the way from the uh, New Jersey, Philadelphia area is uh, our friend and yours, the man that I consider the true founder of this diesel punk feast, the legendary, the mythical Tome Wilson. How are you, Tome? Wow. Mythical. I've never heard that before. I'm doing fantastic, Johnny. Well, you know, I say mythical because we talk about you all the time on the show. Um, you know, you are, uh, for those of you listening who aren't familiar, Tom Wilson uh, is the uh, the former owner of dieselpunks.org, which Larry now uh, operates. But Tom created that website. And uh, ran it for, what, five years? Six years? Uh, seven. Seven. Seven and, years. Um, 
really in in my mind, and I think Larry, you would agree with me, really laid the foundations for the diesel punk community as it currently exists. Oh, I agree completely. I agree completely. Absolutely. Um, yep. Yeah. So, so, uh, but you, you, uh, moved on to bigger and better things. Uh, and that's how we always look at these things, right? It is whenever you move on to something different, you're not leaving anything behind. You're just, you're just, uh, going on to a new, uh, a new season in your life. And, and you did that. Um, and uh, Larry took over dieselpunks.org, and you're doing something brand new, but still connected to the to the diesel punk aesthetic and lifestyle. Tell everyone what's going on with you now. Sure. Well, at at first, it almost sounds like you're you're making it out like I've retired, and it's actually quite the opposite. What's actually happening now is, well, when I set up Diesel Punks in 2009 i really wanted it to be like the the one headquarters on the internet for all things diesel punk because not many people knew the word let alone what it meant so i went along and created my own version of facebook almost when facebook wasn't really as big as it nearly as big as it was today and uh built that up and my goal was to build that repository build that archive and bring the community together. And after seven years of running that, I decided the the next step in the diesel punk evolution is definitely not online for me because I was getting so much joy out of going to these conventions and, and appearances that I needed to do something more along those lines. So I brought diesel punk into the real world with my production studio named Jazz H Style. And what we do is we produce live neo-vintage events in the Philadelphia, New York, New Jersey area. Uh, so, for example, if you were part of a, a nightclub, a bar, or you're throwing a big event like a wedding or a corporate gig, I mean, Johnny, I'm sure you're, you're on top of all this type of stuff. I, in my company, come in and say, well, if you want to throw a big party, they didn't throw bigger parties th than the 1920s. So we get hired out to uh, themify all of these events and bars. And I pull in musicians, uh, I DJ, uh, we pull in entertainers, dancers. And the biggest party of the year that I throw is called Jazz Age on the Delaware. And that takes place at the Glenford Mansion in Northeast Philadelphia. Uh, have you ever heard of that place before? I had it until I started seeing your um, your posts about about the event coming up um, this year. Well, what that is, so Glen Ford is part of the Philadelphia Park System. It's also a legitimate 1920s Jazz Age mansion. It's sitting on a cliff overlooking the Delaware River on 17 acres of land. And they approached me and said, hey, we, we're mainly known for weddings, but many people don't know that we're a museum and that we're part of the park system, that they can come at any time. And we need to advertise and we need to pull in donations because 
a mansion like this takes so much more than people actually realize just to keep it standing. I mean, painting and renovating and all those things to try and keep it in its original splendor. So I partner with them and in late July, uh, three years ago, we threw our first party. 1,500 people showed up in full diesel punk regalia. Uh, so we had flappers and wow. gangsters and malls. We had a day's worth of music from five different live bands. We had a car show, including uh, Marlene Dietrich's Rolls Royce Phantom that used to drive her to, back and forth to the studio every day. We had classic bicycles, classic motorcycles, clothing, vendors, a fashion contest, a dance contest, a cigar lounge, you name it. And we threw it in there. We just threw the kitchen sink and Philadelphia loved it. It was the biggest event like this anywhere in the area. And now we're moving on to year three and we're just looking to make it even bigger and better. So that's why I'm getting involved. And that's why I sound so excited. That is super exciting. And I'm going to, I'm just going to, when, when in July is it? It is July 29th. Uh, what's funny about the mansion is that because we do so many weddings there, because so many people are just busting down the doors to have their Gatsby wedding at this mansion, that we only get four weekends out of the year to do things like this. So summertime, when everybody's off and they want to wear their little flapper dresses outside all day, July is the perfect time for this. But we also do a Halloween event. We do a Christmas event. Uh, we even do a Clue-style party for a very select number of guests. And it's really amazing that I've been able to partner with them. You know, I'm just going to throw this out there right now. I think it is imperative that uh, Larry, Eric, Daisy, and myself make a trip in July exactly. to this party. Yes. Yeah, July 29th. That, that would Delaware. be a blast. Well, I'm going to July tell you something. July 29th. Do you guys believe in synchronicity? Because we were actually talking about, because my birthday is on July 23rd, and my uh, my adopted sister and my wife and I are planning on, on uh, what, what are we going to do this year to top last year? And because it's the one time when we can all get together. I think this is it. I think that this is exactly what I've been telling everybody on my website and on my social media, there has to be, God, I hope I don't get in trouble for this. There has to be a Mecca for all of us diesel punks and retro aficionados to go to. This is it. This is exactly what we've been looking for. Well, this sounds fantastic. I agree, Eric. And ironically, my birthday is July 5th. So, hey, I think we've got something special going on I think here. I, I, I think that I think that we all have to uh, we either have to be committed or we have to commit and this is this is exactly <laughs> I wow I this is synchronicity right here this is magic we're we'll continue this discussion we'll we'll make this happen and Tom I'm gonna follow up with you about that because you know if uh, if a diesel punk <clears throat> magician is going to be in the area you know hey Maybe I can get some stage time. Wink, wink, hint, hint. <laughs> That's quite possible. We actually have some sideshow acts because uh, obviously Carnival was was big 
uh, towards the end of the time. And we and don't forget, guys, we definitely have plenty of liquor sponsors. So we have we'll have plenty of adult beverages there for most people. And uh, for the kids and family, we'll have lawn games set up, croquet, badminton. Uh, we got a little bit of everything for everybody. Yeah, and you know, it, this really does sound like, like Eric said, you know, almost like a mecca. One, one of the things I've been really frustrated by, and I think Larry, you, you've sensed my frustration over the last several years, is that there are a lot of these um, alternate history cons, and, and but they, they, they only are interested in steampunk. Um, mm, yeah, or, or, yeah. or weird West that era. And, you know, we fought this uphill battle to, uh, with Anacricon. I'm just going to name them Anacricon and Ethercon and, and, you know, all of those guys dragging con to, to get diesel punk recognized as part of, you know, their, their wheelhouse and, and, you know, to be, part of that community and it's it's been a challenge and yeah, it's it been is, a frustrating yeah. challenge and tom what what you're doing i know i know it's not a convention but it is an event it is a happening it is a gathering and i, I think it's exactly the kind of thing that we as the diesel punk community really do need and so this is going to be my commitment to you tom we we're gonna we're gonna promote the fire out of this thing, hand in hand with you. And um, I, I know you've already had a huge success, but you can never have too much success, right? Absolutely not. And I would appreciate that. As a matter of fact, if you guys want a discount right now, and this is for all of everybody who's listening right now, if you go to jazzageonadelaware.com and purchase your tickets, you'll not only get the early bird discount. But you can enter in the promo code Jazz Age Style, Jazz Age Style, and that will knock additional dollars off of the ticket price. Now, remember, uh, this is an all-day thing. It gets, starts at eleven in the morning, it runs until about five or six at night, and then we break up to go to our speakeasies in Center City, Philadelphia. And these are the same speakeasies that I do the productions at, so you can tell that it's the same quality that you've you've gotten all day. Most people just head home for a little bit, take a disco nap, and then head out to party all night. And then when they're ready, they head back to our giant Art Deco uh, train stations in Philly, head back to their hotels, and maybe even spend the next day. I can show you my office down in Center City, and you can uh, you can dance with Betty Boop. That's that incredible. That would be fantastic. That would be awesome. This, well, this, well, is a, this is the best thing I've heard all year, right here. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm loving it. I'm digging it in a big way, and um, I think it's. I think what you're doing is fantastic, and you know the the diesel punk world um, already owes you a huge debt, and uh, this is just another uh, a, another thing that we can point to that that in my mind warrants giving you the title founder of the feast, and. Well, uh, I, I appreciate that. And what I want to tell all your listeners right now is when I started Diesel Punks, I never knew it was going to grow up like this. I just knew that this is something that was that I had felt discontent with. 
and I needed, if I wasn't going to find it on the internet, then I needed to put it there. And then when these live events came up, once again, I was in the same boat as you. They weren't coming up, so I went out and I made them. Uh, now, the Jazz H style thing, now I'm getting quote-unquote normal people into it as well. So now they want to come out and do it, so they want to help. And uh, like I was telling Johnny before, we actually opened up our own nonprofit theater in New Jersey, uh, and that's at millrace.co. And that's where I can do all of my events full-time. And we are doing other Jazz Age style events there at the theater. And once again, this is built to help the community and to bring diesel punk into the real world. Yeah, that that's fantastic. And and you know, <clears throat> you're you're doing kind of the same thing I'm I'm doing with my live shows, you know, uh, you know, singing the singing from the diesel punk hymnal and and you know, spreading the word as much as possible and uh, man, I I just I appreciate you more than you can imagine. Well, I think we all do. I, I, Johnny, you speak to us because I remember um, really getting back into diesel punk and and Tom. I think that you've given a lot of us um, inspiration and you've given us like a direction, like like the Northern Star. Whereas, is like you see how steampunk has sort of captured the imagination uh, of so many people, but they haven't really done anything with it except for just the costuming. And then to see what you're doing with diesel punk, it's it's um, it's given us a, a lot of inspiration to say, listen, some you've sort of like led the way. You've been the trailblazer, and you and and you put this you put this placemat down. You put this you put down this flag, and it, everything sort of sprang from there. So we, I mean, I can't thank you enough on on behalf of the Fedora Chronicles. Well, like I was saying, it's. All you need to do is be discontent with something, and that will drive you to fix it. Uh, whether it's something in your life, something that really gives you focus, uh, something that is just fun, like diesel punk. Uh, you really just have to run out there and do it, because nobody else is going to do it for you. And if they do it for you, it probably won't be just the way that you wanted it. And if you don't have the resources to do it, there are always people who are in the same boat as you that you can partner with. And that's the best thing I can, I can possibly imagine because like I was saying with this nonprofit theater that I opened just recently, uh, we got contacted by Adam Savage. Uh, he well, was one of the previous hosts from Mythbusters, and he is starting a nonprofit for maker spaces uh, thinking that this is going to be, like the new version of the library. And we reached out and we partnered up. So now our theater is going to be one of the initial homes for uh, the Adam Savage makerspaces. And what that means is this gives people who are underprivileged uh, from all backgrounds to come into our space. And as long as they are willing to volunteer their work, uh, to help us with one of our productions. They have free access to all the classes that we teach, all the tools that we have, all the materials on hand. And really, that started with just a dream of just trying to bring Diesel Punk into the real world. 
and as long as you're willing to put the effort into it, it'll pay back. That's outstanding. I do. Well, that that yeah. is great. I, I do want to ask ask you a question, Tom. Uh, like uh, contributing to the diesel punk community and the diesel punk m- movement, what kind of what kind of work and volunteering are are you looking for? Uh, for the theater in particular, we're trying to just drive the community forward. Uh, the community that we set up in uh, the theater itself was an abandoned warehouse in a blighted industrial district. But it just happened to be right in the middle of town. And we approached the landlord and said, hey, what are you doing with the space? Because we will gladly clean it up for free. We will renovate it for you. And in return, just let us do our thing here rent free. And we will let you know that you know there's no uh, drug addicts here. We are going to bring the crime down. We are going to make this into a home. And then we approached the town council and told them what we were doing. And they looked at us and said, you're crazy, prove it. And now two years later, we have all the legal papers to open up as a theater. We opened up in September, sold out every show for eight weeks before we started into our holiday uh, time. And now the town center or now the town council is looking at us and they're not looking at us like we're crazy. They're looking at us, and they said, wow, that actually worked. So there's other warehouses around you. Let's start pouring our tax dollars into that, and let's renovate that whole area and turn it into a town center. Let's turn that blighted area into a town center because these people have proven that just through volunteerism that, they, that the community does need hope, and they need a place where they can – be creative, and they need jobs, but they need to know how to do those jobs. So this place offers free training, and we think that's great. So here, here's all the zoning. Here's some tax dollars. Let us know what you would do if you had 10 warehouses, which is looking at the the Google Maps photo. It's actually larger than the three baseball fields that are next to us. And it all started with us approaching somebody and saying, hey, you're not using this space. What can we do? I th- and that's an inspiration there. That's an inspiration because everybody here that what's in the sound of our voices knows of a place that has incredible architecture, but it may or may not be abandoned. I can think of three places within a, a five square miles from where I live. So I, th- I think that's, that's phenomenal. Yeah. And it's not even the community that I live in. It's, it's up. It's a good 35 miles away. So it's a definitely commute every day, but it lets me keep my creative juices flowing. I mentor a ton of people from all ages, all backgrounds, and they're using the training that I'm giving them and the other teachers that I'm bringing in so that they can get jobs in the professional production field. And it's just a happy cycle. I get If I teach the workers, then the workers donate their work to me, and then they teach others, and then they bring more people in. And it just grows and grows and grows for the positive. Man, I love it. I love it. That, and that's, that's, that's where I would love to see Johnny. Well, I would, man, I, I'm all for it. I'm, let's, let's talk offline and, and make some stuff happen. And, 
you know, what you're doing in, in Philadelphia and your neck of the woods, you know, could be replicated across the country. And, you know, maybe that's, uh, maybe that's, uh, you know, the next step in the evolution of that space is teaching other people to duplicate it. That would be, that, that could like revolutionize the entire arts community across the country. Absolutely. And that's what uh, Adam and I are trying to get forward with this. I mean, Adam started his project with the the tech advisor from the Obama years at the White House, uh, the woman who invented Burning Man, and now he's got a, a neuroscientist running the entire business. And the way they look at it is, if you think of it like a library, now you go to the library to check out books, but if you've been there recently, they have other media. You know, they have CDs, they have movies, but what if the library had some of these cool tools like 3D printers and laser cutters and things that that crafters and cosplayers and and designers and producers really can't afford, but they would just would love to use because they could be creative with it. So the idea is is to turn the makerspace that has these tools and the people who know how to use them safely and can train other people how to use them and to turn that into the new 21st century library. And theater, there's nothing better because we can teach, we can inspire, we can give them a reason for creating if they don't have one yet, and it just grows. And that's what this is all about. I love it. I love it. Well, listen, we could talk about this all night long, but uh, I know you've got a lot to do. I don't want to keep you any longer. But uh, tell folks one more time uh, the website for the uh, Jazz Age event and uh, how they can uh, connect and get involved with the, uh, the uh, theater space and, and all of that fun stuff one more time. Absolutely. So you, are, you want to go to Jazz Age on the Delaware dot com jazzageonthedelaware.com the event is July 29th uh, we do have a rain date uh, so it'll be July 29th this is Saturday the rain date will be the Sunday and if you're interested in learning more about the theater and the productions and especially I would love to see more, more diesel bunks come out for our fall show which is based on the Grand Guignol which is a French horror theater that was <laughs> big in the 1910s and 1920s uh, you can go to mill, M-I-L-L, race, R-A-C-E, dot C-O, millrace, dot co. Outstanding. Outstanding. Well, Tom, thanks for joining us on our fifth year anniversary show. Uh, you are a big part of why the Diesel Powered Podcast exists because, uh, you know, your desire uh, to, to create an online community uh, echoes quite a bit with my desire to create a podcast for diesel punks. And, um, you know, so out of your inspiration out of uh, dieselpunks.org was kind of born the inspiration for this show. So, uh, we, uh, we really appreciate all that you've done and, uh, really appreciate you joining us once again. It's always a pleasure to hear your voice and to chat with you. No problem. If anybody else wants to reach me, you can reach me at, tome at millrace.co or tome at jazzhstyle.com and cheers guys happy anniversaries
Thank you much. Thank you so much. Thank you on the flip side, Tom. All right. Well, guys, that was uh, Tom Wilson. And uh, what, a, what a treat to have him uh, to have him join us, Larry. I think Larry He's still ste- here. I think Larry, I think Larry had to step out for a second. <laughs> I see how he is. Yeah. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, this is live and unscripted. <laughs> exactly. I I think that I I don't I I don't want to say anything um about that, but I, I think that I think that maybe Larry got a hold of my chili recipe. So I I think that he may be gone for a couple or more minutes. So but uh, but the thing is, is is that I mean, and I'm sincere when I say this. I I mean, I I I really mean it when I say this. Is that I think that that I I don't want to go so far as to say that Tome saved the diesel punk community. But I think that what he really did was, I think he, he gave us an, a home base as it were someplace for us well, to go right. and, and, and conjure, conjugate and sort of like, you know, contribute a little bit. Cause I mean, I've, I've given, you know, um, his, uh, um, a, a diesel punks.org, a couple of articles in the past and the thing is, is that it's like, that's been the, like the go-to place. If you do a web search of diesel punk or diesel punks, that's, that's the first entry you get on Google or Bing or whatever you're using these days. That's right. Well, and <clears throat> so I, I hate to talk about this without Larry in the room, but, but I'll go ahead and, and start, you know, about five years ago in, uh, uh, well, it would be it would be three weeks ago this week. <clears throat> I was holding an audition for Bombshell Kittens, Big Daddy Cole and the Bombshell Kittens. We were getting ready to to do our um, uh, do a, a, an upcoming tour, and and we had a a space very much like what Tom just described. It was a, a, a warehouse space that we had converted into a an art. Uh, workshop and art gallery and performance space rehearsal space it was pretty cool and um so we had this venue we had this tour coming up and uh, we're holding auditions and uh during one of the the downtimes uh, brandy sunshine one of my lead dancers and and performers you know we're, we're sitting around talking and we were talking about um anacricon because it was it was coming up um, very quickly. Um, and I was like, do you, do you want to go? Cause you know, that was our whole thing was, you know, neo vintage retro. And she's like, no, all they want to do is the steampunk stuff. And, you know, I'm not really into that. And I said, well, neither am I. Um, you know, I said, I, I wonder if there's something for people like us. I'm like, what would they call that? Would they call it what? Noir punk or, deco punk and you know i started doing google searches for those terms that night when i came home and and uh you know i found through through the term search term deco punk it led me to diesel punk yeah which lets me led me to diesel punks 
org. Yep. Did I just hear Larry join us again? I think yeah, we- I'm sorry, folks. I had a, a family emergency I had to take care of and had to well, step well, away for a few minutes. That's all right. That's all right. I'm 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 telling the five year anniversary story here, Larry, and you came in at just the right time because I, I discovered dieselpunks.org mm-hmm. the the very the very next day. At, you mm-hmm. know, I'm doing search for noir punk, deco punk. I find diesel punk. What is that? Holy cow! There's a website. Yeah. Holy cow! Mm-hmm. There's a community. Yep. Mm-hmm. Holy cow! This is what I've been my entire life. Yes. I had no idea there was a term. Yeah. And 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 from dieselpunks.org, it took me over to the Dieselpunk Encyclopedia. And it took me over to Larry's blog. And I started acting and posting and hey, blah, blah, blah. And I I asked the question, are there any dieselpunk podcasts? Well, there was a Radio Metronomic, which was uh, where, where was that out of uh, Larry? Uh, uh, South Argentina, America. I yeah. think. I think Argentina. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But it was in Spanish. I'm like, are there no English pot? And well, no, there are not. Well, and and here's where I was. I had just wrapped up um, doing a, a very successful podcast uh, called Magic Talk, and I had a uh, a web forum. Uh, mm-hmm. That was connected to it called Magic Talk, but uh, you know, forums at that time had, had, were starting to wane, and yeah. um, it, it had become a, a thing where you know I, I really wasn't. Uh, I, I was shutting it down, um, and the podcast had kind of run its course, uh, very successful. Um, but I had run out of things to say and run out of things to talk about, so. I, I was looking for, you know, a new avenue. And here's this brand new introduction to the world I had always been a part of, but never known it. And I'm like, okay, this this is the answer. This is my next project. I'm going to do a diesel punk podcast. And I said, but I don't want to do it alone. I got to have a co-host. And so as I'm looking around the internet and I'm looking at who is the most vocal voice, the most consistent voice in the diesel punk community. There was one name that kept coming to the top and that was Larry Amiet. And so I reached out to Larry, I think through dieselpunks.org. And I Uh, said, Hey, I think so. I said, I'm interested in doing this podcast. I'd love to talk to you about uh, joining me, being a co-host. And we spent, the, I think it was the next day or two, I think we spent like four hours on the phone just mm-hmm. talking about Diesel Punk and what it could be and what the podcast could be. And literally three weeks later, and it'll be three weeks this Monday night, Larry, as this episode is going live, um, it will be the actual fifth year anniversary of the very first episode. But it was three weeks after that initial discovery that we started recording the Diesel Powered Podcast. And I said for the very first time, hey there, all you hepcats, cool kittens, you guys and dolls, you diesel powered <laughs> disciples of cool. This is the Diesel Powered Podcast. And uh, you and I sat down. And uh, we had our drinks in front of us, 
You know, that's mm-hmm. something that went by the wayside. What are you drinking? Um, I yeah. love doing that, but yep. our fans weren't too hip to it. But I'm doing it now. I, I still have. Yeah, I, still I mean, have I think that's fun. I, you know, I don't know. Uh, I, it crossed my mind earlier today was, uh, was, you know, that exact thing right there was. What, what are you drinking? Um, right now, I'm not drinking anything. <laughs> so. so it's really not much of a celebration. It's just me. It's just me. Uh, I'm the only one who's that, drinking. But yeah, you really summed it up, Johnny. That's fantastic. I mean, and you know, you notice there's a common denominator. There is diesel punks. We just got through talking to the you know the legendary Tone Wilson. That's how I got into diesel punk. Yeah was dieselpunks.org. Um, my daughter was into uh, steampunk in college. She had just gone off to college, and I had not heard of steampunk, and I thought, wow, this looks really great. And uh, I you know, started doing a few things in steampunk, and, and I thought, okay, I can get into this. And then I Googled steampunk just, you know, to find out more, and up cropped in one of the Google hits, dieselpunks.org. Because Tom was so smart as to hook steampunk into the ser- into the feature so that when you search one, you got the other. Yeah. Which was so smart because that, then when I found dieselpunk, it's like, oh, this is where I belong. Dieselpunk. Yeah. And it just. I'm like you. I just, the moment I found it, it's just, boom. It just took off. Uh, that was my gig, and that was my thing. And I started reading the work of Nick Audens, the Gatehouse Gazette, uh, and, of course, Eli, uh, Lord K, his blog, and uh, the, the now defunct Flying Fortress website. Remember that? And you know what? I think that was actually before my time. Uh-huh. Oh, really? Yeah, it was one of the pioneer diesel punk sites. It came out around a little bit after Tome started diesel punks. It's one of the yeah. uh, pioneer sites and helped set a lot of the standard. It it coined certain terms that we still use today, like the Otesian, uh, Pycraftian. And terminology like that but, uh, came from fly, the Flying Fortress. Do you actually have a, a, a glossary somewhere of all these terms that that, that are being used there, Larry? Uh, well, I think we have it. I think I have it at uh, the Diesel Punk Encyclopedia. I'd have to check. I've written numerous articles about such. I have it at my yeah. blog. Um, but, you know, that's a very good question. Uh, but... All of that is connected to and can be accessed from dieselpunks.org. Yeah. Yeah, that really is the hub. Yeah. Uh, And uh, that was one reason I was willing to make the investment, to keep it going, to keep the lights on. And uh, the community there, they're really doing the heavy lifting. I just kind of babysit the site and watch over it and approve or deny members and stuff like that but they really do the heavy list lifting the members of dieselpunks.org i i, I those goes out to the members of the website i i will tell you that um when, when i started the fedora chronicles back in 2004 it was mostly because the thing is is that the work that i that i had been doing at the indie experience 
um, was was starting to come to a close because Aaron Gant was getting ready to go off to college. I mean, he was he's just he still is a brilliant kid. Um, well, I mean, not kids so much. I think he's like in his late 20s now. But um, that was like coming to an end. And I started the Fedora Chronicles because I really wanted a place for, you know, as I called us retrocentrics vintage aficionados mm. to have a place and i just wanted to be able to publish the things that i was not allowed to publish anywhere else and there came a point um i i yeah i think it was in, i think it was like um in 2000 somewhere between 2009 and 2010 i was really sort of debating about whether or not do i really want to keep this going and and then like a couple of years later, I you know, was thinking, what's my audience? What who who should I be looking for? And this this thing, uh, steampunk came up and just like John, I went online and, I, and it was like Eureka, like I found it. And it was just like it was like it was like finding out that it's like, you know, I, I'm, I'm not going extinct. You know, I'm actually one of a very large species of of person who likes this stuff this thing called diesel punk and it could have been called deco punk it could have been called anything but you know the the, the phrase diesel punk stuck and it was just like oh my i mean goodness for me the only issue that i have the only regret that i have for the past five years is that because I, I went after i broke my back um and i fully recovered I went back to college and I really wish that I spent more time um, getting involved with the diesel punk community at dieselpunks.org and, and doing some, doing some more stuff there and contributing more there instead of, you know, keeping my nose in the books. That's, that's for me, that's the thing that it's like the one that, that is actually the real regret that I have about college is that I wasn't involved in our community enough while I was quote gone. So, but I mean, it's, it's, it's like I said, it's like, it's, it's like a Mecca. It's, it's like, it's the hub. It's the center of the diesel punk universe. And I think that what Tome has done, and I don't think he gives himself enough credit for it. Mm, 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 mm. Am I wrong? Yeah, no, he, he oh, hates no. it when I call him the founder of the feast. Um, <clears throat> he, he's a really humble guy about that. You know, he, he's always said it was just out of his own frustration. Like, like he said, and he wanted to create and build something for, for other people. Um, but, you know, he, he was never, he was always doing it out of altruistic reasons, never out of, you know, self-gratifying reasons, really, um, or to build himself up, which, which is great. I, I commend him for that because, to be quite honest, I'm too much of a narcissist to be that altruistic. But, um, you know, it, it's... It's an awesome thing that he did, and and he is certainly deserving all of the praise that we give him. Yeah. Um. But you know that that was five years ago, Larry, mm -hmm. and I remember uh, it, uh, it feels like it was just a couple of weeks ago. I can't believe it's been five years. When 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 Facebook popped up, your memory from five years ago. And, and it was, hey, we're launching this podcast. Uh, February 23rd was the, the date that I posted it. Um, I, I was just like, I can't believe five years has passed. And, you know, where we were then, there was 
some very active diesel punk communities around the globe. Um, there was a very active group in Australia, um, another in Argentina, our, our old friend Lady Smoke. Uh, mm-hmm. Was a part of that. Oh um, yeah, and and uh, there were some uh, developing groups. Um, your North Texas Diesel Punks was, mm-hmm. uh, you know, still in its infancy, but you know, uh, being formed up and and coming together, and um, there was a lot of excitement building up five years ago. Um, and right around the time that I felt like uh, it was really a, a key moment, some some key players stepped away. Gatehouse Gazette closed its doors. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, we, we, we launched International Diesel Punk Day, and that was a big success the first year. I You know, I... I I don't want to disparage this, but I don't feel like quite the excitement had been there in the second and third year. Um, like it was the first year that we launched that. And that's, you know, that's partly our fault. We, we lost some of our luster for that, but, um, you know, I felt like, I feel like looking back that, that even though the community has grown, even though the community has gotten stronger, that we've missed some key opportunities to really solidify in the real world. Um, and, and some of that I think is, is on our shoulders. Mm. Um, while, you know, we've certainly tried to, to, uh, be out in the real world more and, and create groups and whatnot. Um, there's only so much, you know, a, a handful of people can do on their sure. own. Sure. Um, I've been, I mentioned it while Tome was on the line. I've been particularly frustrated with the geek culture community and the right. steampunk yeah. community yeah. Right. for, for basically not, not embracing what we're doing. Um, and I don't know why that is, it, it, but it's been a huge frustration for me. Yeah. As someone who, who makes a living partially doing comic book and geek culture com- conventions mm-hmm. um you know that's become my mission field truly but um <clears throat> it, it remains a, a source of, of frustration and you know I, look we we have been five years ago we launched we had we had uh two listeners our first episode larry mm. this <laughs> this episode is going to be downloaded approximately fit by 15,000 listeners five years later. Wow. And, you know, I would, I would like to hope that, you know, people like Dragon Con would recognize that we have an audience, we have a voice, we have a following, and yet I'm continually rebuffed. The, I'm just going to, I'm going to vent my frustrations fourth year in a row we've been uh rejected for uh presenting and being a part of dragon con i you know I, i'm just i'm blown away by that and i'm not bragging when i say that we've got fifteen thousand listeners on average 
I'm just stating, you know, the fact that is that we've developed a fan base and, 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 you know, is it fair for me to say, Larry, that the diesel powered podcast has become one of the authorities or one of the sources in, in the community? Or no, am I, I think, imagining that? No, I think you're right. Um, because you see it referenced, uh, there's, no, I think you're right. There's nothing else like it still in the English-speaking world. There's no other uh, diesel punk podcast. It's one of a kind. Well, hold on a second here. Hold on a second. Because the thing is, is that I, I want to be clear. I want to be clear on this. There is another diesel-powered podcast out there, but it's about diesel engines. It's not about diesel punk. It's diesel engines, diesel right. trucks. And- that's why I said, yeah, I'm sorry if I was if I didn't speak clear. No, I'm just I'm, I'm teasing. I'm teasing. I, I, I'm teasing. That's okay. There's no diesel punk podcast out there. Yeah, there's that other one like you just said that's called Diesel Pirate and it's talking about the diesel engines. But the subject matter, there's no one else in the English speaking world. Um yeah, I think well, this now, is important. Now now wait, let's be fair to Eric because he does do uh the Fedora Chronicles podcast as well. Yeah. And although it's not dedicated to diesel punk, diesel punk is a common recurring topic. You're my audience. I mean, the thing is, is that one of the things that I really wanted to do after listening to this podcast, what I wanted Mm -hmm. to do with Doug Palumbo and Jason Cousineau is I wanted to do what would a diesel, what would be, what would a diesel punk podcast sound like in reference to current events and other i want to do i wanted to do what you guys are doing here or what we're doing here but Mm -hmm. what i wanted to do was this like you know i kind of you know it like newsweek in time but for diesel punks does that make any sense at all what's this what's the historical reference for that and then and then there got to be a point where um you know i wanted to do I wanted to do a podcast for diesel punks in the realm of the paranormal. That's where the metaphysical physical mm. connection came from. And, and I, I think that it's not unfair to say that this podcast is, is terrific. It does a great job what it does. It does, and it does what it does, and it does it well. The only issue, and the only issue that you have, and the only problem that you have it's something that's totally beyond your control or our control. And this is something that I, that I've seen for the past, I've I've seen this for the past couple of decades, whereas a a genre will take hold of, of of the community. I don't know if you remember the late eighties, the early nineties, every science fiction convention became Star Trek conventions because of the popularity <laughs> of Star Trek, the next generation mm-hmm. is that fa- mm-hmm. and, and the thing is, is that for me as a, as a science fiction junkie and as somebody who went to conventions to talk to people about all the books that we read in the past 12 years, hooking mm-hmm. up with people who had just got connected with Dune, the, you know, the entire Dune series or, or foundation, um, and then all of that was pushed aside. The people who had been keeping the science fiction conventions going for so long, they were shown the door. If you're not going to wear your spandex and your, and your chrome aluminum brooches, you're not welcome. And for here, for us, 
the thing is, is that because we call ourselves diesel punks, people think that what we're trying to do is we're trying to hook our star to the steampunk community. And, and the thing is, is that steampunk isn't even steampunk anymore. It's steam cosplay. There's no punk involved here at all. There's nothing about steampunk that is... Um, that is libertarian. It, there's nothing about it that's that's libertine. There's nothing about it that is uh, anarchistic. There's no anarchists involved. It's all, or most of it, is dress up. Whereas with the, we diesel punks, we are trying to do something. We're trying to push forward in one direction, but pull back in in the other direction with the aesthetic and the, the punk movement before. The, the, the word punk was taken over right. in the 70s by the punks. We're not, we're, not, a, we're not punks anymore. Well, you know, that's really, really good what you're saying there. That, you know, steampunks used to have uh, an anarchist wing to it, so to speak. Uh, during its early days out in Seattle, yeah. there, was a, uh, there was an anarchist steampunk movement. Yeah. Uh, and uh, Abney Park kind of rose out of that. Uh, so I know what you're talking about. It used to exist. I don't think they exist anymore. I haven't heard any rumors, any echoes from that group out there in a long, long time. Because I don't keep close ties to the steampunks anymore. But I think, like you're saying, it's become more cosplay. Um, I think there's more attitude, there's more philosophy to diesel punks than... Uh, Steampunk. Steampunks have kind of become, let's play dress up and put on our brass and uh, goggles. And, and top hats. Uh, don't forget the top hats. And don't forget the top hat. And uh, put, uh, you know, glue a gear on it, as the song says. <laughs> <laughs> well, <clears throat> I, I will say this. Uh, one of the things that I've seen kind of change, I don't know if it's change, but kind of evolve over the last five years since we've started doing this show is there has been a real um, consolidation it might be the right word of philosophy in the diesel punk community I remember when, when we started doing this Larry there was a lot of dis disparity in attitudes about what is and is not diesel punk and why and how how it's applied and mm -hmm. and whatnot and i i've seen less and less of that uh, over the last several years and um you know we we got to give a nod to our friend andrew gearwood on facebook his group diesel punk hq i think has gone a long way to help uh kind of solidify that um that that common viewpoint mm, mm -hmm. um but but do you agree that 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 has been a, a change over the last several years yeah i think there's been a congealing uh a lot of it is uh discussion this gets back to uh tomes form dieselpunks.org uh, and a lot of people that would share on that would then take it and they will go outside the form and yeah. talk about um, and and so it would spread. And so, yeah, and I think uh, 
Diesel Punk's HQ is a very important Facebook page. Um, I in fact, so if you're listening and you haven't joined Diesel Punk's HQ, uh, you're missing out. That's an important Facebook page, I think, for any Diesel Punk. Um, but uh, yeah, I think it's sort of there may be less controversy now. Uh, than there would have been had you raised, you know, what is Diesel Punk on, let's say, dieselpunks.org several years, uh, maybe two, three years ago, if that much. Uh, there would have well, been a lot yeah. more heated discussion. Now, I recently, not, not too long ago, maybe a few months ago, I raised it again on dieselpunks.org and it's like, meh, no need to talk about it. We pretty much got it down. But here's the issue yeah. here with me, Larry is that the argue and the debate about what is diesel punk and what isn't diesel punk is what is diesel punk. The, 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 constant, uh, the, the, the constant trying to crawl out of the hole and into the light, it, it's, it, the fight and the struggle is diesel punk. The constant questioning and the constant sort of like you, you two loggerheads, like you see like two two mountain goats or two two rams ba- banging their heads together. That's what makes them rams. Mm-hmm. If you take away the, the 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 banging of the heads together, they're not rams anymore. I don't know what you'd call them anymore, mountain goats. But the thing is, there has to be that kind of like that that. That kind of like, kind of like that 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 constant sort of heated debate to make sure it's like a it's like a purifying exercise. Well, well I, I I was going to say you know kind of what you're going right there the big controversy in my opinion right now that I see and maybe it's just controversy to me is the is the term deco punk right now uh, the concept of deco punk as a genre unto itself. You know, um, if you um, if you read my last blog post, uh, I took the position that it is not a uh, genre unto itself. Uh, this is my February eleventh, um, two thousand seventeen blog post. That it's simply uh, another, and I should have stated this in the blog post. That is simply a variation of hopeful Tizian. Yeah. Uh, diesel yeah. punk. Well, so. and I, I, I blame the, our steampunk brothers for that. You know, because you got these, you know, clockwork punk and Tesla punk and Wild West punk. And really, they're all part of steampunk. Mm-hmm. You know, why, why do you want to further slice the pie? Right. And, you know, I look, me personally, I would have preferred the term deco punk to have been the one to stick. Right. Because I personally am drawn to the deco styling the, mm-hmm. and the deco yeah. uh, aesthetics. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if, if all we embrace is the, the deco aesthetics, it ignores the rest of the cultural mm-hmm. uh, elements and aesthetics of the era, which mm-hmm. are tied to the Great Wars. Exactly. Absolutely. Yeah, mm-hmm. Exactly. Larry, well I, ke- I, ke- I keep I keep stepping on top of you, Larry, and I'm sorry As about a, that. I apologize. I'm probably stepping on you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, but no, Johnny's absolutely right. Uh, Deco really was a 10-year phenomena 
uh, it was much less influential in the 30s because it was so decadent. And when everything's, everybody's impoverished, uh, the decadence of, Deco, of Art Deco uh, was tasteless. And so it started, oh, which it appeared in propaganda and the posters and some of the architecture. But uh, Art Deco started to fade in the 30s and certainly was not in good taste in the 40s. Uh, so you le- you lose all that. Actually, the term diesel is consistent with how genre punk labels itself, going all the way back to cyber. Um, so, no, I have no problem with diesel punk, per se. It makes perfect sense. Um, I just don't... That deco punk is just a... As I say there, you know, in my blog, it's just a slice of diesel punk. It's yeah, just a word. And it's I, just I feel a word. The same way about atomic punk. You, you know, we've had this conversation. Mm, I don't. Yeah. I don't. I don't think atomic punk exists as its own genre. I mean, um, I mean, and I know there's debate between us about this. Um, you know, we talked about it at Geekonomicon. Um, my my philosophy is that all atomic punk is diesel punk but not all diesel punk is atomic punk um you know because my my personal diesel punk diesel era timeline goes to 1957 Mm -hmm. and you know i i i just don't feel like you know after after 1957 it's not really atomic punk anymore it's it's um it's really where you're getting into the cyberpunk world uh with with the technology and whatnot. So for me, atomic punk is really one of those slices of diesel punk. Here's a question for you. Then this thought had just occurred to me. We would agree that the, the, the science fiction and the fantasy that was written during the Victorian and Edwardian period is a part of steampunk. It's a, it's an essential part of steampunk. Jules yes. Verne is an essential part of steampunk. You cannot yes. you cannot pull you can you cannot pull the sci-fi fantasy element out of steampunk. You you simply can't do it cuz then you don't have it anymore. I agree. You can't take Tesla out of steampunk because it's not steampunk anymore. It's right. the same thing as is that you can't take the science fiction element out of diesel punk or deco punk. Let's just stick with diesel punk. So the thing is is that the atomic punk is the Jules Verne, H.G. Wells sci-fi element of the diesel punk? You can't. You can't. I don't think that. I don't think that you can. I. I think that the thing is 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 that the atomic punk is the sci-fi fantasy element of the people who lived in 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 the twenties, thirties, and forties, and especially the fifties. Yeah, I, I would agree with that partially. Um, I, what I consider uh, atomic punk, or some people call it ray gun punk, or ray gun gothic, is is Flash Gordon, Buck Rogers inspired sci-fi and fantasy um, of the era. So, but but because it was created in the era. And and now we have new pieces being created in the contemporary era that draw inspiration from that. 
you know, yes, you can say, oh, that's got the atomic aesthetic, but it's from the diesel era. Ergo, it's diesel punk. Sure. Because, because not all of that Buck Rogers, Flash Gordon sci-fi is incorporated into diesel punk because you've got just as much science fiction and fantasy with Superman, with the shadow, with uh, the phantom, uh, with... Uh, you know, uh, Captain Midnight, the noir Batman, the noir characters who are grounded in reality, but still have that fantasy element, not the science fiction element so much as as the fantasy element. And so it creates a different texture and a different aesthetic, wholly diesel punk, but not atomic. Well, I would put now. Remember, both Flash Gordon and Buck Rogers originated in the uh, in the thirties. Um, yes, that's the, you yeah. know that was their golden age. When I think of Atomic Punk, I really don't include they, them. I think of the B movies. Uh, you know, it came from outer space, the Blob. Uh, that's where I start thinking as the source material for atomic punk which is late 50s early 60s and most references i see tend to go there um i place i have i place buck rogers and flash garden is proto diesel punk a term that uh, mr piecraft uh benjamin senna uh coined um in the same way that king kong was proto diesel punk or metropolis was proto diesel punk uh, it's proto because it's during the golden three month, three year, th- uh, three decades that we include as the diesel era. Right. It's the building blocks. It's yeah. The, well said. Yes, indeed. It's the building blocks. It's the inspiration for diesel punk. Uh, so, uh, is atomic punk a thing? It doesn't seem to be a thing yet. It's more conceptual. There's a few movies that I would classify as atomic punk. Uh, Mars Attacks be one of the best yeah. that come to mind. Well, you know what's really interesting is here recently when I'm going to comic cons uh, and people see the the way that I'm dressed as Big Daddy Cool, they see the material that I'm doing, they hear the music that I'm doing. You know what? You know what reference people are bringing up now more than ever what's that fallout 4 oh yeah yeah the the fallout game series yeah and they're like oh so you're like you're like into that and i'm like okay yeah and i would i would classify fallout 4 as part of that atomic punk slice okay but but if it if it works as a gateway for the casual fan into diesel punk where I can say, yeah, kind of like that. And also a lot like sky captain, if you've ever seen that or Indiana Jones, uh, captain America. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. yeah okay. Uh, 
And if you're into games, Wolfenstein. That's on my list. That's on my list of of the top five most important things to have happened in the Diesel Punk universe. That's on my list. Yeah, and that's good. I'm I'm glad you did put that there because the gaming community seems to have adopted Diesel Punk more than any other. Of course, it originated in the gaming community. We have to remember that. Uh, and it's so it's really you still see I get Google News pop-ups on, in my email, and again and again it's like a new diesel punk game, a new diesel punk game, and it's it's always on target as to applying the term yeah. diesel punk. I, I rarely see one that's like, nah, that's not really diesel punk. Yeah, most diesel punk games that are willing to carry the title. They got it. They yeah. know what they're talking about. You, you know what, Larry? I, I, I want to take you back to um, a, a, some, a point that you made about Flash Gordon and Buck Rogers. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, is, is that they used, especially when they were the Republic serials for Flash Gordon and Buck Rogers, they were using Art Deco elements, whereas like the, everything that was available to them at the time when they mm-hmm. were making those serials, all they had were like what was because they really didn't have enough money the way that they do now to make stuff out of whole cloth like say like say say star wars oh wait a minute did i say star wars star wars is also (laughs) diesel punk because they use so many elements from uh the the spanish civil war and and uh in world war ii as as props as 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 greeble as it were um, so I think that the thing is, is that you, because using your argument, you sort of have to, in, um, um, Adam Punk is, is like a little bubble inside diesel punk using that argument. Well, maybe, you know, again, I'm not sure Adam Punk is a thing. So if you want to go ahead and say that, okay, um, diesel punk, another slice, kind of like deco punk, right. a slice of, Diesel Punk is a, a sci-fi futuristic. We're going to call it Adam Punk. Uh, I'm cool with that. Now, um, would uh, the term Adam had been known outside a very small niche of the scientific community? Uh, yeah, I guess yep, kids were yep. learning about it. But uh, beyond that, uh, that there were atoms, that there was somehow power associated with it of unimaginable uh intensity i'm not sure most people you know it was they would just make up you know some sci-fi term for their material or device um so i see where you're coming from and i'm fine i don't think uh, and that kind of gets back to what i was saying at this point in time there's no real genre of atomic punk that's uh congealed yet well something i want to touch on um over the last five years when when we started this podcast larry um Mm -hmm. there was really only two movies that we could really really point to Mm -hmm. um maybe maybe a few more but sky captain um was was you know kind of the uh the crown jewel and um indiana jones Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I guess kind of hanging out there in the periphery were a few other films, uh, like dark city, um, and, mm-hmm. and the shadow and, and the phantom, mm-hmm. but, and, and Batman 
89, but th- those weren't really part of the quote unquote list yet. Mm-hmm. Right. So, so that list of diesel punk movies and TV shows continued to grow as, as the definition of diesel punk was refined and, and more agreed upon. But one of the things we have seen is an explosion of diesel era and diesel punk media, television shows, movies, mm. um, books, novels. The, the, the thing is, though, Hollywood and the major publishers still aren't calling it diesel punk. No, that no. that's disappointing. But we've seen we, we've seen, you know, Captain America, the first Avenger, Peter Jackson's King Kong. Um, we've we've seen, uh, you know, coming up the, the Wonder Woman movie, Agent Carter on TV, uh, you know, uh, Timeless has has been heavy, heavy, heavy into the diesel era. Uh, Man in the High Castle, uh, you know, just a lot. We've seen an explosion of media, and we haven't seen that in the steampunk community. You know, pretty much after the failure of Wild Wild West. <laughs> what, a, what a spectacular failure. <laughs> I, I don't think Hollywood has wanted to touch that genre technology. And I don't even think they know that that if they know that that's what it's called. But I think everyone looks at that movie and says, no, we're not doing that again. But on the diesel side, it's one hit after another. Yeah. And, 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 and sometimes they're not even real big hits like, you know, midnight in Paris or uh, grand hotel. They, they were hit movies, but not like huge blockbuster commercial successes, but you know, real critical successes where people are saying, this movie is good or or the artist winning the academy award for best picture that's happened in the last 5 years yeah yeah it's a, it's amazing it's amazing the one thing that I, I i i'm not sure if this is a topic for another podcast because the thing is i think that we do sort of have to touch upon the the, the question sometime in the near future what's killing steampunk because i i i have a couple of theories i think that there i think I think we're starting to see. Um, I'm st- starting to see steampunk junk jump the shark and nuking the fridge. I think we're starting to see that. I'm, but I'm, I'm not sure if that's a topic for tonight. Um, but no, that 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 is definitely uh, a topic for another for another episode. But I, I would agree with you, Eric. I think it's starting to crust. I, I think I, it's reaching. I don't know. I've been so far, so I, I, so far away from the steampunk community. Um, I'm not sure. I really have even, even if we do have it in a future episode, if I have much to add on that, I'm, I'm just, I'm a diesel punk, and I, yeah, that's where yeah. my passion is. Yeah, I, I think that one of the like two things that I think that we really ought to bring up is that there was this. Um, movie that was made the trailer was phenomenal i couldn't believe how awesome the trailer was the, the movie itself wasn't it, it didn't live up to my expectation but iron sky oh about I nazis I, I hiding. love iron sky and, and there's a sequel coming out uh this year i was going to ask you johnny if you knew any details about the sequel i haven't heard anything in a long time yeah no, i get i get regular updates from uh timo and uh they've hit their funding goal and they're in post-production now. Oh, that's awesome. So, 
But the thing, yeah, but it's, it, it's it's expected it, to release this summer sometime. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, they went in they went in a totally different direction that I wasn't expecting, which which, which was okay. But I mean, I mean, everything about it is that they got everything so right with the aesthetics and the whole idea of Nazis hiding out on 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 the far side of the moon. That is. That's brilliant. That is absolutely, totally brilliant. And another thing, and it slipped under the radar, and it breaks my heart to say that it didn't get enough attention. There was a book out, and it was called A Fistful of Nothing, a diesel punk film noir novel. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. I, and when I read that, I, and I downloaded the Audible version. And I cannot remember the name of the person who reads, who, who, who read it. But the thing is, is that it was just like, I mean, it is, it's like, it's like Raymond Chandler and um, Rod Serling got together and, and, and had a love child. <laughs> it's like, it's, yeah. it's weird. It's, and it's creepy and it, it's sort of like, it gets under your skin and you're kind of like, oh my, oh, but in a good way. You know, yeah. it's like the horrible things. What would happen if the entire population of Los Angeles during an atomic war between Nazi Germany and Japan occurred and everybody in Los Angeles had to become mole people, meaning people living underground? And what would what would that mean? What would what what would that imply? And then you have a detective who's trying to solve a crime in the in this new underground world. Where and and the thing is, is that they're trying to like get back to the the original, you know, the upper class, middle class, elite class, underground, you know. Mm-hmm. And it was it's a, a yeah. really good novel. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. That's an excellent novel. And, and, and we that, had we had Dan Glasser on the program. Mm-hmm. We um, sure did. You know, we had Bart Constantine on the program, and and those guys have uh, you know become. Uh, you know, fixtures in the diesel punk community. And, uh, you know, we, we, we were the first, uh, podcast to interview, um, uh, Paul Roman Martinez, the creator of the, uh, adventures of the 19 XX. Great. And he was the first comic book creator to you actually use the term diesel punk in his promotional material and advertising. And, uh, you know, back cover blurbs and, and whatnot. And, and, you know, we're just continuing to see this explosion of material in the comic world. Um, you know, the pulp material, and I, I call it pulp because that's the characters are being drawn from that, that, uh, that genre. But, you know, I consider pulp a, a part of our, our umbrella of under our tent, you know, that, the, the 1930s, 40s characters and settings are just, it's exploding in the world of comics. I, I wish we could get them to call it diesel punk, but, uh, you know, there's the material is out there and, and it's just a great time from a media standpoint to, to be a diesel punk. I agree. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, and, and things are, things are only getting better. And I think that another thing is, is that I've been on the hunt for, um, 
vendors to promote uh you know on my end and the thing is is that there are so many other people out there who are who are digging back into the 20s 30s and 40s and i think that um the the miniseries on netflix about zelda zelda fitzgerald i think that that is really sort of bringing new light and, and bringing people in not to bringing people into deco punk which is, I think it's, I mean, again, I think it's a subsidiary of diesel punk. Um, that's, that's really exciting. I, th- I think that, you know, you, you, you take people who would never ordinarily be interested in, in diesel punk and they watch that. And next thing you know, there's people are searching for flapper dresses. Oh, well, Miss, Miss Fisher's murder mysteries did the same thing. And we're going to get a movie, a, a Miss Fisher's movie next year. Oh, I can't I, wait. I mean, it's it is it is a awesome awesome thing. So you know, we we've seen the the community change. We've seen it grow. We've seen it contract a little bit. We've seen it um, morph and, and congeal. Where where are we going from here? In your opinion, Larry, what <laughs> well, is the future of diesel punk? You know. My crystal ball is in the pawn shop right now, so <laughs> uh, <laughs> so it's a little hard to say. But I guess where I hope, what I hope is finally that the what you lamented so you know well a moment ago, we can get the title, the term diesel punk, connected to the media sources. If we could start seeing move, you know, when let's say Agent Carter came out tomorrow, if we start see, we could see a uh, a uh, t- you know TV uh, report, you know, review new Diesel Punk TV show, show uh, that kind of stuff. That I think would be the biggest biggest breakthrough. Part of the problem, I think, is back to what Garrett was talking about. I think we're getting uh, genre punk fatigue. Of all of the uh, this punk, that punk, deco punk, atomic punk, like you ta- talked about, John. I think so. To throw out another diesel punk, maybe right now there's some uh, genre punk fatigue on the terms. People even saying, stop it with the something punk, anything punk. Stop it with the anything punk. And I think that's going to hurt us getting the uh, term out there. But that's where I at least hope that we can go is. Um, I hope the next big thing is finally start tacking on the word diesel punk. Uh, you and I, we, we saw it with um, Mad Max. Yeah. Recently. Where they, and it was kind of a, it was not a good match. But it was actually used in conjunction with the movie. Um, I guess that's where I at least hope that it goes i honestly i like to think upwards and onwards and every and you know tome gives me hope when i see his projects um i guess that's that's the best i can say is i hope we get the term out there now that's what needs to be done well i will tell you this this is an encouraging thing for me is that when i go to comic cons um one of the more popular cosplays is Peggy Carter. I see a lot of Agent Carter cosplay out there. 
Um, mm. I see a lot of World War II era Captain America from uh, Captain America First Avenger. Mm. Um, <clears throat> so, you know, we're seeing a lot of that. Um, I, I'm hoping to see more of it. You know, um, I was really hoping that uh, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them would, uh, you know, create kind of a new cosplay sensation um, in the in the community. I, I've not seen that happen yet. That's a little bit disappointing, and I'm not exactly sure why, because, you know, Harry Potter fans are, like, crazy about, you know, their cosplay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that movie was straight up diesel punk. If you guys haven't seen it yet, you, you really need to. I think that what has um, to happen is that that has to come out on home video, and then you'll see it explode. You, you could be right. You could be right, Eric. Um, and, and you know, I, I think if if we could get Warner Brothers Studio to label the Wonder Woman movie coming out in a few months as diesel punk, mm-hmm. that would do it. You know what? Let's start a writing campaign. I was about to say, let's do it. Why don't we just go to Internet Movie Database and and if you can, just update it. Insert in the keywords Diesel Punk. See what happens. I mean, yeah. I mean, what you said, fifteen thousand downloads. Uh, you know, let's get a Vanguard going here. Fifteen thousand people. So doing. Yeah. Some hey. So everyone, everyone listening, if 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 you will start. That campaign, like Eric said, go to the the database, uh, write Warner Brothers. Just ask them to call it a diesel punk comic book adventure. However, you want to use the term, but um, if if we can get that to happen, that will really, really uh, go a long way. Um, you know, for me, wh- what do I see the future? I'm not sure, Larry. Um, I'm I'm hoping for that big turn, that big commercial recognition on some on some levels. On on other levels, I'm really happy where we are being kind of a an underground niche. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, while I want the community to be stronger and to grow and I want to meet more of us and connect mm-hmm. more of us at the same time, you know, I've always been kind of wary of bandwagon fans. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, that, that's why I think Eric steampunk is in its decline. Yes. Is because there were so many bandwagon steampunks and, mm-hmm. you know, once they kind of, got over the novelty, they moved on, and now it's in its decline. I don't want that to happen. Um, I think another thing that needs to happen, and this is my hope that, that this can happen in the future, is there is a huge, humongous World War II and Prohibition Jazz Age reenactment community. I mean, humongous, you know, Pearl Harbor days. Well, you know, Tom mentioned it, you know, the jazz age 
the reason I think he's having so much success is because they're calling it, you know, jazz age on the Delaware. Cause there's a huge community that is into reenactment. Now, diesel punks are not reenactors. We we've established that, but we share more in common with historical reenactors than we have different. Yes. And, and if we could find a way to get that community to embrace our, our science fiction fantasy elements and our countercultural attitude a little bit more, that would, uh, that would be a big, big thing. And, and kind of along the same lines on the other side of that, the rockabilly scene, which has so much crossover and so much connection. Um, I, I just, I really wish that we could find a way to bridge those gaps. Here's the thing. Here's, here's how you do that. We, we need to join them because they're already, you know, um, I do a lot of my shopping at, at um, World War II reenactment sites. What Price Glory is where I get some of my best stuff for some of my, my costume replica, replication stuff, whatever. That's, that's where I get a lot of my stuff. And that, you know, we need to solicit the people who are already doing the work. Another fine example is Cass McGann's Reconstructing History. She has a ton of uh, patterns not of costumes. I mean, yes, there are some costumes, but she has a lot of stuff. There are so many vendors out there that are already doing the work that we're talking about. There's oh so my many, gosh. We need, Eric. How can we bring them in? How can, how can we bring them up? How do, we, how do we elevate them? You just turned on a light bulb for me. You know what our problem has been? We keep trying to like run along a, a parallel track with, with steampunk in, in terms of the way we are trying to introduce diesel punk and, and bring people into the fold. And, and I think that's why we're getting some of the pushback at cons and whatnot, because they feel like we're trying to appropriate what's already been established and accepted. What if we do exactly what you just said? I'm not talking about converting or bringing them over to us. I'm talking about we as diesel punks join the, that reenactor community. Yeah, we we start interacting with them and and modeling our passion within their community, and naturally we're going to find more people who are are hip to what we're doing because because you think about it when you were looking for diesel punk and when i was looking for diesel punk before we knew what the word meant we had that eureka moment there are people who are world war ii reenactors who are also huge science fiction fans huge sci-fi nuts and they want to be able to have a way to bring those two passions together that's diesel punk or atomic punk, or decopunk, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. These things, what we're trying to do is we're trying to move a mountain, whereas we're trying to make the mountain come to us. Isn't it just easier to just go to the mountain? Is that Dude, not what we're doing? That you, I think you hit the nail on the head. Larry, what, do you, what are your thoughts about that? 
Well, I think that's a very good point. Um, I know early on when uh, I was trying to promote it, especially through North Texas Diesel Punks, we partnered with the local steampunk community, and we did a lot of things together. And I had people that would attend both. They would do they would do things with the steampunks, and they would do things with the di- with us, the diesel punks, and we would attend each other's meetings. Uh, so. Certainly, in the early days, that seemed to be a uh, a fruitful exercise. Now, you know, kind of following a parallel course, um, I think it has great potential. I think the ideas here have great potential, and also joining the makers and bringing in our aesthetics, and um, you know, some of what Tom talked about. Uh, I, th- I I saw that as a little bit of what you're discussing right here. So I think some good ideas. Yeah. So, you know, I, I think that's probably where the future of our genre lies is, is just like Eric said, going to the mountain and, and taking our word to the mountain instead of trying to bring the mountain to us. And um, I, that, that's like a light bulb moment for me, Eric. I, I don't know why that hadn't occurred to me that way before. It, it took your wisdom <laughs> to uh to to bring me to that conclusion but i wouldn't have had this moment of of clarity if i wasn't doing this podcast with you tonight i needed you i needed the two of you and tome to sort of have this light bulb moment it wouldn't have happened without the don't give don't don't sell yourself short because i it would not have occurred without you and i but i and i want to reiterate this there are vendors out there who deserve our business. There are people who are making the fedoras. They're making the zoot suits. Mm-hmm. They're making the props. All these people, they're out there. They're already there. And the thing is, is that, you know what? Don't go shopping at Walmart or don't go shopping at, just name any department store. Go shopping. Um, on, we, we, we need like a, an online mall of, of, just, of just retro vendors. And solicit them. They're already they've already done the work. There are hatters out there who make the best fedoras you could possibly imagine. The only way you can get a better fedora or the same quality fedora is if you go in a time machine and and, and buy one from them. You know, there are people out there, they're already we we need to like have links to them on our websites, on the Fedora Chronicles, and on uh, dieselpunks.org and all of our other sites because the thing is is that we lift them up then they're going to give uh, then they're going to lift up us too because if we don't if we don't shop these places they're going to go out of business they need they need us as much as we need them absolutely well hey guys i know that we could talk about this stuff for the rest of our lives but uh we're uh, bumping up on, uh, can you believe it, two hours. Uh, so I think, uh, <laughs> I think it's probably time to, to call it a night. But, um, man, what, what a great episode, guys. What a great five years. I hate it that Daisy uh, was never able to join us. Um, you know, she'll be with us the next time. But, uh, you know, I also want to – I would be remiss if I didn't recognize – some of the other people who made it happen over the last five years, you know, not everyone who gets on the train 
uh, gets off at the last stop. But uh, you know, Ava Dahl, who uh, is still a dear, dear friend of mine, and, and we still work together uh, as a co-host, uh, she was fantastic and, and really helped shape a new dimension of the show. And, uh, of course, John Wofford, he uh, was a huge contribution to this show. Um, Charles Cornell with the uh, Agent Carter Roundtable and uh, Ken Sharkey Braden. Uh, all you guys have had massive contributions. And, of course, Daisy O'Dare. Um, she's been a, a perfect uh, co-host and, and filling the spot that, that Ava left open. And, and you know, uh, the recent addition, Eric, uh, of you to the team has has been another game changer. And uh, I'm, I'm just really, really glad that, that you joined us. But, you know, we can't we can't take credit for everything that uh, has gone on in the last five years. All of those other people are a huge part of the success we've had and, and of uh, bringing us along and, and bringing us where we are now. And, and we thank you guys, Ava, John, Ken, Charles, you, you guys really are still a part of the family. Once a diesel powered podcast co-host, always a diesel powered podcast co-host. And, uh, I, uh, the, the door is always open for you guys to join us. I just uh, want you to know that. And uh, again, thank you for all of your contributions. Larry, before we go, any last words? No, uh, not really. It's, I tell you what, Johnny's been one hell of a ride. Um, it's been really fun. And you know what? We're just really getting going. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, uh, so... Tell you what, I've had good time, my friend. And um, all right. Other than that, I look I look forward for another five years. Outstanding, Eric. Any last words? You know what? We really have to thank our audience. We have to thank all the people who listen to to the podcast and they put in the time and, and they download, they subscribe, and they send us messages once in a while. Um, let us know what we're doing right, what we're doing wrong. They're the reason why we're doing this. I mean, I mean, I, I would love to be able to Skype with you guys all the time. And But the thing is, these are the people who, I mean, they, they're the foot soldiers. They're the people who remind us why we do this. And I think that they also deserve a huge round of applause as a, as, as a, as a former purely member of the audience. Um, I appreciated the show and, and knowing that it's a commitment to say, I'm going to listen to the show come hell or high water. I'm going to listen to the show. There, we have amazing listeners, amazing fans. And yeah, um, I can't, yeah. I can't say enough They're they, I mean, they're the greatest, they're the greatest people I know. They're, they're, they're the, um, they're um, 15,000 of my closest friends. Outstanding. Well said. And, uh, uh, I think Larry and I both agree wholeheartedly. Absolutely. Well, guys, gals, thanks for listening. Thanks for giving us five great years. Here's to five more. And, uh, you know, things change. Things move forward. And you're going to be with us as they do. And um, we, we appreciate you more than you can know. Uh, feel free to drop us a line always on the Facebook page at, 
uh, facebook.com slash diesel powered podcast via Twitter at diesel podcast or email. There are still people who use old fashioned email and uh, you can email us at feedback at dieselpoweredpodcast.com and uh, let us know what you think about the show. And if you like the show, tell two, 300 of your closest friends and family to come check us out and uh, to have a good time with us. And um, I'm just going to sign us off, guys. On behalf of uh, Eric Fisk and Larry Agnett, thank you very much. I'm John Pica, the artist also known as Big Daddy Cool. Until the next time, swing hard, swing often, and we'll catch you on the flip side. And that's it, guys. Woohoo! Right.